How many have a B.C., a before Christ? Wow. Yes, ma'am. I'm, I, I, you're, we're relating right now. You have a past. You actually have a past. You see, people see Christians and think they don't know anything about sin. They've lived some kind of cloistered life. And, uh, Sean, we all got a past. Everybody sitting in this room has a B.C., a before Christ. Amen. I want you to say something with me this morning. Help me preach for just a few minutes. That was then. This is now. We got a theme going here that God has put in my heart, and the theme is living in the now of your salvation. It encompasses a lot of different messages, but that's the theme of it living in the now. In the now. That was then. This is now. Faith has to be lived in the now. Amen. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hope precedes faith, but faith reaches out into what you've hoped for, the glad anticipation of future good, and it grabs a hold of it and brings it from the invisible world into the visible world and causes it to be made manifest. Faith reaches into the invisible and grabs if you if you stand if you grab any promise of God by faith you've got to reach into the invisible spiritual realm take a hold of it by faith but it's manifest in the physical realm but now faith is it's not future future stuff is hope the glad anticipation of future good faith brings what you're hoping for into the now into the present tense and we need to live in that present tense of our experience the bible said now we look through a glass darkly we don't see everything as it's going to be in the future amen but then we're going to see him face to face but right now we are the sons of god that's not something that's going to occur that's something that has occurred when you receive christ as your savior now you're not trying to obtain sonship Merit sonship. You were granted sonship when you received Christ as your Savior. Now we are the sons of God. Now, therefore, there is no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus who walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh. Romans chapter 8, verse 1 and 2. For the law of the Spirit of life in Jesus Christ has made us free from the law of sin and death. This law canceled that law. And we're living in the now of that experience. Praise God. Here's the scripture I want to share with you today. Amen. Uh, In Revel... No, no, I'm not going to go there. I'm going to back up. I'm going to back up. Right now, past sins are forgiven and we are cleansed. Wow. How clean. How clean. This is a reoccurring theme throughout the scriptures, this cleansing power. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Psalm 51 starts out, wash me with hyssop and I shall be clean. It goes on to say, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew in me a right spirit. 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 11, 9 through 11. Listen to it carefully. Know ye that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicate. Everybody got a past? 
Something in your past is going to show up right here and right now. Don't squirm in your seat. That was then. This is now. Hallelujah. Praise God. Know ye not the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither the fornicators. Nor the idolaters. I'm going to stop with fornication is sexual sin outside of marriage. Don't squirm. Okay? Can we get past that one? Idolaters. Say, Brother Bible, I've never bowed to some idol. Wait a minute. The New Testament says, speaking of covetousness, when you saw that mansion and you said, I want that for mine. That's covetousness. And if you keep your mind on that house to make you happy that somebody else has, that's covetousness. And that thing that you're focused on more than anything else because you think that is going to please you, covetousness, which is idolatry. So idolatry is not just that fat-bellied Buddha that someone is bowing down to. It's covetousness in the heart. It's an idol in the heart when it becomes the focus of your energy, the focus of your desires, the focus of your time. When everything is focused upon that, that becomes your idol. Covetousness, which is, and some of us were fornicators. And some of us were covetousness. In fact, I'm going to say that all of us, to some degree, were covetous. Coveters. Nor Adulterers. That goes pretty much we all know what that's talking about. It's cheating on your husband, cheating on your wife. Nor the effeminate. God created them male and female. Man is the one and the devil that's messing with it. Hello? We can't figure out about bathrooms anymore. We just can't figure it out anymore with that messed up and confused about masculinity and femininity. Nor abusers of themselves with mankind. When I went to, uh, if you want to know a little bit about what this means, when I went to Washington, D.C. to a conference uh, years and years ago, I got turned around. I didn't take a taxi cab because it cost so much. So I, I walked about four blocks to where the meeting was occurring to the Capitol Hilton Hotel And we heard a wonderful message from a Russian dissident who had got saved and been imprisoned. And how God set him free from prison, brought him and his family to America back during the Cold War. And how God worked all that out. It's tremendous testimony. Uh, Just moving. Well, I came out full of God and I felt so pure and holy and just wanted to get closer to Jesus. And I come out with my little three-piece vested suit and my briefcase in my hand and turned the wrong way. I'm going to tell you about Washington, D.C. It's not just about monuments and cherry blossoms. There's some bad areas of Washington, D.C. And when I checked in the hotel, they told me, they said, don't go this way when you leave the hotel. Go that way. Because if you go this way, it'll take you into a part of town that the police don't even want to go in unless they have to. And I thought, don't worry, I'm not going. But you see, I come out of a service, and I just felt so good in God, I didn't pay no attention. And I found myself in that part of town, walking along. I'm going to tell you something. A guy in a vested suit carrying a briefcase, 
he, he, he's the kind of guy that people want to mug and all that stuff. But it wasn't just the mugging threat. On one side, and, and see, I had, I had been to Dallas in the convention, and I had a, a, a car drive up, a very nice car, and a very beautiful lady in it, drove up, and, and I was walking again, carrying my little briefcase, coming from a, a conference and in Dallas, Texas, back in 1978, I believe, way back there. Anyway, she pulled up, and, uh, and she says, hey, do you want a date? And, you know, I'm coming out of a church worship type conference thing where we've been worshiping and getting in the Word of God. And I, I was, you know, and, and nobody solicited me before, you know, do you want a date? And I didn't, you know, I, I said, I said, no, thank you. <laughs> I, I was courteous. <laughs> no, but thank you for asking. No, that's not what I meant. I just meant go away and leave me alone. And she said, well, what's the matter? Are you gay? I guess they're used to businessmen being away from home. That's why there's so many conferences are held in Vegas. Because what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. No, it don't, darling. You're going to bring it home in your conscience or you're going to bring a sexually transmitted disease home or you're going to come home broke and mortgaged your house. No, it ain't going to stay in Vegas. Amen? But a lot of businessmen get away from home. They give themselves permission to commit sins. And I thought, how do I get rid of this lady? She said, are you gay? I said, no, I'm a Christian. Power windows went up. Zip. She peeled rubber to get away. Amen. Because she knew I'm wasting my time. And I need to find me a John tonight. In the book of Proverbs, there's a woman like that. Her husband is away on a trip. And she perfumes her bed. I mean, she's using every kind of sexual nuance. And there's a young man that's walking along, minding his own business. I'm going to tell you something about temptation. Temptation is aggressive. Before I got saved, I went out looking for sin. When I became a Christian, sin came looking for me. I'll be honest with you. I've had more, after I came to Christ, I had more opportunities to sin if I gave in to them than I did before I came to Christ. Amen? The devil didn't want me to follow Jesus. He wanted me to go back. Go back, come back, come back and enjoy your sin. You've given up those sins. Come back and have some fun. I tell you, the joy of the Lord is more fun than any sin that I ever committed. Can you say man? The peace of Jesus is more wonderful. The satisfaction that you get when you get the victory. Hallelujah. I felt so good when she rolled the wind. See, the Bible said, submit yourself therefore unto God. Resist the devil and he'll what? He'll roll up the windows and peel rubber. Can you say man? Oh, you don't hear me today. I said, he'll roll up the windows and peel rubber. Glory be to God. Let him know where you stand and find out yourself where you stand. Can you say man? Hallelujah. How many, if you get married or if you are married, you'd love a mate that don't go out on you. You'd like to have a mate committed to you. How many like that? Praise God. Well, God likes it too. And that's why Paul said, I've espoused you 
unto Christ through the gospel, through my gospel, that I may pre- present you to Christ a chaste virgin. Hallelujah. I've told you about the cash and carry years ago when my wife, you know, we got married 16 and 14, so she looked very dateable. Uh, she didn't look like a, a mama when she was a mama. She looked like a teenager because she was. So, a stock boy, bag boy, asked her. She had on a wedding ring, you know. Uh, he saw it. I'm sure he must have seen it. But he asked her, do you date out? See, that's how I know that he knew that she was married. And she come home and told me that he, you know, asked her, did she date out? You know what date out means? That means I know you're married, but don't let that stop you from having some fun. And I remember, I remember, Brother Taylor, I wanted to go over and find him. <laughs> Amen. I really wanted to go find him. I did not want to tell his manager it cost him his job. Do you know what I wanted to do? That's exactly right. I wanted to black his eye for him. I might even bite his ear off. I don't know what I might do. I don't fight fair. I'm too small. (laughs) Yeah, it upset me. And when it says our God is a jealous God, it's not the, 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 the mean, vindictive jealousy. It means, he says, listen, if you start messing around with other gods, it's going to pull you away from me and I can't protect you and I can't keep my covenant with you and I can't show my love to you. But if you'll stay true to me, I can do all those things and more for you. Our God is a jealous God. Thou shalt have no gods above me. Can you say amen? And when we start loving the world, that word adulterer, we were all adulterers at least in that sense. The book of James says you adulterers and adulteresses. And he's talking about the world. Amen. The love of the world. He says you can't serve two masters. You'll love one and hate the other. Not in the book of James, but Christ taught this. And you can't do that. You can't blend it. You can't blend it. You can't blend it. You adulterers and adulteresses, don't you know that the the love to love the world is enmity against God? You make yourself the enemy of God because the world is the enemy of God. So we were all there. That was then. That was then. That was then. So... Just because someone actually committed the physical act or whether we've committed the spiritual sin, we have and were adulterers and adulteresses because we love the world and the things that were in it. We went after them. Listen to me carefully. And nobody that continues in this behavior has any part in the... Oh, I didn't finish my story. Get me out of that bad part of Washington, D.C. On one side of the street were male, male homosexuals that were soliciting men. On the other side of the street were female prostitutes soliciting men, women, whatever now. And so I'm walking down here and everybody is hollering at me. Young men are hollering at me for a date and young women are hollering at me for a date. And by now, I'm picking up my pace. 
I didn't want to break and run, but I wanted to get out of there. You know what the Bible said? Flee fornication. It wasn't that I was tempted. It's just that I'm out of my element. it, It had been a long time since I was in that world. Amen. A long time since I was in that world. But that world is real and that world exists. And we need a commitment to Christ to overcome that world. That was then. Something changed between then and now. I'm not the same man that I was before I came to Christ. After I came to Christ. Did I feel temptations? Of course. Everyone does. You wouldn't be human if you couldn't be tempted. There's no state of super sanctification where you're not tempted. But the Bible said to endure temptation. Hallelujah. They that endure temptation. It's about enduring it. I wasn't tempted to sin that night, but I knew I'm out of my element. You know, we shouldn't have somebody have to tell us where we ought to be. I knew I'm in a part of town. I, there's nothing. If I'm not down here to hold a revival meeting, stand on the corner and preach and share Christ, I don't need to be down here. And if I'm down here to share Jesus, I need somebody with me. Amen. I don't need to be the Lone Ranger down here. We need checks and balances. We need accountability. Preachers I meet with for the last five years, one of them, he's got, uh, uh, he's got quite a sense of humor. He said, I can't wait uh, till we get all pro-pastors in, in Germany. He said, because I've always wanted to minister to German shepherds. Anyway, that's just his kind of sense of humor. But he said, the kind of questions we need to ask each other to account, have you taken your wife out to dinner this week or this month? Because we're trying to keep the romance in our marriages. Because one of the big buffers against temptation is staying in love with one another. Don't ever quit dating your wife. Just because you've had that woman for that many years and she's put up with you and me. Can you say, man, don't quit dating your wife. I'm out of my element. I need to get back to my hotel and I need to get out of this area. I have no business to conduct down here. If I'm not here on a mission from God, I have no business being here. I didn't need nobody to tell me. But this is the abusers of themselves with mankind. That's what that means if you don't understand that. It means when someone is selling themselves. And in, in the sense of selling themselves, abusing themselves for money. It's male and female prostitution. Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor drunkards, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. That was then. Somewhere in this list, we all can identify. We have a past. Some of us can identify with a whole mess of stuff on that list. Do not raise your hands. God knows, and that's all that needs to know. 
Verse 11 says, And such were some of you. That was then. But look at the now. But ye are, if you're a Christian, but ye are washed. But ye are, in the present tense now, sanctified. But ye are, present tense now, justified. Say it with me. Washed. Sanctified. Justified. That's now. Don't ever let the devil pull you back into your past and accuse you. Even if your past was yesterday and you repented this morning. Because the way God deals with sin, when you confess it and repent of it, is so thorough and so complete. The New Testament said, as it is written, I will cast their sins, this is the new covenant, away from them. I will disassociate them from their sin. Oh, and there's, as far as the east is from the west, I've said it before, I'll say it again. If you go north, you will find a north pole if you go long enough. If you go south, you will find a south pole if you travel long enough. But if you go east, you will never find an east pole. If you go west, you will never find a west pole. He's talking about you can go forever. Hallelujah. And you will never, ever, ever. I will cast them away from them as far as the what? The east is from the west. And their sins I will remember. Is it that God doesn't know? No, he'll, He does know. But He chooses because of the blood of Christ and your confession and repentance of your sin not to associate you with that sin ever again. But there is one called the devil who is the accuser of the brethren. But I'm going to tell you something. If your sins are under the blood of Jesus Christ, you're washed. You are sanctified. You are justified. Hallelujah. And I'm going to tell you something about washed, sanctified, and justified. There is no higher cleansing. There is no more holiness that God can grant to you no matter what you ever do between here and heaven. There's nothing you can ever do to get cleaner than the blood washes you. There's nothing you can ever do to get set apart unto God like the blood of Jesus and the cleansing power of His Word sets you apart. For a holy purpose. There's nothing more you can do in the court of heaven to be acquitted than to plead the blood of Jesus Christ as you confess your sins. Can you say amen? Oh, don't patty cake. See, there's a difference in imparted righteousness. Which is something God gives you the power to achieve. That's personal practical righteousness. Positional righteousness is imputed. Abraham believed God and it was imputed, not imparted. It's critical you understand this because imparted means God's given you the power to achieve it and you better achieve it or you're not going to heaven. The sad fact of the matter is you can't achieve it. Because in order to be right with God through anything that you can do in and of yourself, in order to be right with God, you need to be sinlessly perfect. And if you think you are, that's the big glaring sin in your life. 
all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Come short in the Greek, what it connotates. It means, in archery, it means shooting at the target. When we shot our guns at a gun range, yeah, pastor and pastorick, pastorix, pastorette. We wanted to know how to shoot a gun, so if we ever had to use a gun, at least we could not, you know, shoot somebody's cat by mistake. So we aimed at the target. In archery, you would be aiming at what? That bullseye. You're aiming at the bullseye. When it said that you've come short of the glory of God, all have sinned and come short, it means you've missed the target. I don't mean the bullseye. I mean the target. You didn't get the outer ring. In fact, you didn't get the board the target was pasted on. You missed the whole thing. And then it goes on to say, No, there's none righteous. Not in the terms of sinless perfection. There is none. None. You didn't know my grandma. Ah, God knew your grandma and He said she wasn't righteous. If righteousness is sinless perfection... Can you say amen? You didn't know my mama. Don't need to know your mama. I know she wasn't righteous according to God's requirement. God's, I'm not talking about what you think. I'm talking about what He said. There's none righteous. And because He knew someone would think they knew someone or think they are one, it said, no! Not one! All have sinned and come short of the requirement of a holy God then how in the world can we be saved? There has to be a righteousness that is granted to us positionally first and then personally. But it doesn't start with personally. It starts with positionally. And I'm going to tell you something about the day you're saved. That's why I pray for people in a hospital, amen, before they go into eternity. Because if they receive Jesus, God's going to grant them what they could never have time or opportunity to earn. Can you say man? How many know if you went in death row today and shared Christ with a man scheduled to die tomorrow and he accepted Christ and repented of his sins? One of the, one of the oh, there's a lot more than power when the Holy Ghost was given. Amen. It said, and it shall come to pass that as many as shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Because when you do apply, he supplies the blood. But when we, through repentance and faith toward God, apply the blood to our life, praise God. Hallelujah, we're washed. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? You are washed and you are sanctified and you are justified. There are people from my past that could tell you things on me and they would all be true. I can't defeat the devil by denying that I was a sinner and I was lost and I served the devil when I was out there, B.C. Can you say amen? But I'm, oh yeah, don't look at me like, like every preacher is supposed to be born in church and never commit a sin. Every preacher sinned. That was then. I would be so ashamed if somebody from my past came in here and said, you know what your preacher did? You know what he did before he came to Christ? You know what he did when he was in high school? Do you know what he did? 
Yeah, probably what y'all did. Before you came to Jesus. Everybody's got a past. And the devil is, the word devil is diablos. And it means a maligner. He wants to take every sin he can find on you. And present it to you to put you under condemnation. Now, therefore, the Apostle Paul is a man under the law. Trying to fulfill the requirements of the law. And he said, I, every, the harder I tried, the more I messed up. Romans chapter 7, he says, when I would do good, I wanted to in my spirit. But how to do it, I couldn't find the strength, the resolve. I couldn't find how to do it. I had the want to, but I couldn't carry it out. When I would do good, evil presents itself. He said, I find a law. A spiritual law is at work. Every person before they come to Christ, this spiritual law is working in you and working in me. He said, the spirit wars against the flesh. And the flesh wars against the spirit. So that I cannot do the things that I would. And when I would do good, evil presents itself And then he gets so worn out from that struggle and that condemnation and that guilt and that defeat. He says, oh, wretched man that I am. Wretched in the Greek means someone who has wrestled and fought until they're so fatigued they just throw in the towel and give up. They don't fight another round because they can't even lift their hands to fight anymore. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of sin? If he had left it there, we are locked in. And there's no way out of that prison house. But the next verse, he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ. That was then. This is now. Hallelujah. I thank God when I met Jesus. He delivered me from that prison house. He delivered me from that taskmaster. He delivered me from that influence. We have been translated out of the powers of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear Son. That's how Romans 7 ends. And chapters were put in and verses to accurately translate, but it was running like a letter. It didn't stop with The seventh chapter, it continued into the eighth. That's why the first verse of the eighth verse says, After, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of sin? I thank God through Jesus Christ now, now, now. Now, oh, listen, you got to get your now down. You got to get it down. You got to get past your past. You can't let the devil keep pointing his finger at you and disqualifying you from believing God and serving God and walking in the victory that God's granted you in Jesus Christ. Can you say, man? Now, therefore, there is no condemnation. Well, who's going to condemn you? The devil's going to condemn you. See, we keep getting the now in Revelation 12, verse 10. Now, now, the accuser of the brethren is cast down. Who did what? Accused them before God. How often? Day and night. And you can't overcome him from saying you have never 
ever sinned. The only way to overcome him is to repent of your sin and take that blood that Jesus supplied and apply it to your heart and your life. And the moment you do, he's out of business because you know what happens when you do? You're washed. You're washed. You're washed. Wash me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Hallelujah. You know who else will condemn you? People. People. There are people who will point out every flaw and every time you messed up and every time you got upset even. They'll point their finger at you. Call yourself a man of God. And you got mad and stomped your foot. Well, be glad I didn't get mad and stomp your foot. Can you say amen? Amen? Amen. Come on, say amen, somebody. I don't know how sanctified I am until you spit in my face. Then I'll find out. You don't know how sanctified I am until you spit in my face. Then you'll find out. Unless it's him, because I ain't going to mess with him no matter what he does. I love you today. I love you today. Praise God. I love your muscles. I'm just about to covet here and have to repent before I go home. Amen. Got arrested on Interstate 4 by the highway patrol for having two big guns in the front seat of his car. I don't know. They had to bail him out. Got a record. God is good today. People will point their finger at you. And you know, there's a third one. There's always people. They pointed their finger at Jesus. You know how they pointed their finger at Jesus? They said, he does his works by Beelzebub, the Lord of the flies, the Lord of death. He's doing it by the devil. And they got into blasphemy, a serious blasphemy. Amen. Attributing the works of God to the devil is a serious, serious blasphemy. But they accused him. They accused him. They pointed their finger at him. And, but there's something else. There's a third accuser that we need to defeat. And it's something God put in you to help you to live right. That the devil will manipulate to condemn you. Conscience. Conscience. God put a conscience in you. We asked how many people had Indian blood last week. And there was about eight or nine people. Are anybody here still with in your lineage that you know is American Indian of some kind? Once again, what kind? Cherokee Blackfoot? And I'm Cherokee. Cherokee. Cherokee and Choctaw. Seminole. Seminole wind, blow, blow, Seminole wind. She hears that song. She goes to this. I don't know what that's all about, but anyway. Indian that received the gospel. Turn of the century. The missionary came back several months later. Ask him, how you doing? He said, I'm doing fine. I'm doing well. He said, but when I do wrong, he said, it's like there's a wheel inside my chest. And it has sharp barbs on it. And it begins to spin. And I feel it in my heart. And he said, the missionary said, well, what do you do about that? He said, I go to Jesus and I confess my sin. And the moment I do, that wheel quits spinning. Can you say amen? And the Bible said in the book of Hebrews that we're to have our conscience sprinkled from evil. It doesn't mean evil thoughts. It means those accusing things. The conscience is in there. Amen. 
God lighteth every man. That conscience is that light. Amen. Every man has a conscience. And the people that haven't received Jesus through the gospel will be judged because of conscience. Because they can't say they didn't know because he put something in there to help you know. And the conscience will confuse. I went to pray for a man, Brother Hobbs, and he's a precious man. And he got saved, but he didn't know he was washed that thoroughly. He didn't know he was sanctified that completely. And he didn't know that he was justified. You know what? Justified, that's a forensic term. It's in a courtroom where that is used. It's when someone has been acquitted. I'm going to tell you something about somebody has been acquitted. If the prosecuting attorney can't nail them and they get acquitted, and they get a not guilty from the judge, they can never ever be tried again for that crime because they have been acquitted justified just as if i have never sinned can you say man hallelujah washed how thoroughly sanctified cleansed and set apart for a holy purpose there's a positional but there's a personal one of them gives you relationship positional you become a child of God. The other gives you fellowship, personal. Because if you go out and begin to walk in rebellion, you can't have fellowship with your father. The prodigal son left home. None of the blessings of home was his. But when he came home and repented, all the blessings, the fellowship. He was a son even when he was out there. But he had to come back to get the blessings and the benefit of his father. Listen to me carefully. We were so afraid of grace. We were so afraid people would use it as a cloak for maliciousness, as a cover-up for sin. Amen. We've got a hyper-grace now, and people are using it for just that. Positional righteousness doesn't mean you can do anything you want. No, it means that you have been given a relationship with God through the blood of Jesus Christ that angels, amen, would love to have. It is beyond, amen, a sonship have created beings that have never sinned. These are people who have sinned, who deserve nothing but justice and judgment, but through the blood of Christ have obtained salvation. And their sins have been remitted, not just forgiven, remitted. Amen. Removed from them. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. But I went and prayed for a man whose conscience, and the devil will use that, his own conscience. And I got, I prayed for him. He had cancer in his body, and he had committed a lot of sin before he came to Christ. And he was remembering all of those sins, because there's an accuser of the brethren, the devil, and there's a conscience which will accuse you. And when the blood is applied, your conscience is supposed to, that wheel is supposed to quit spinning. Amen. It's supposed to quit spinning. If it hadn't quit spinning, you need to get in the Bible again. You need to plead the blood of Jesus. And you need to stand in your standing. That was then. Tell your conscience that. That was then. This is now. That was then. This is now. Praise God. The devil will tell you you're useless. You're worthless. God couldn't love you. wouldn't answer a prayer. He'll remind you. And I went to pray for him. And I got full of faith. And I'm so glad I know the balance now. I will not let the pendulum put me into legalism. Amen. If you think you can earn this, amen, you and me can't walk together. You can't walk with God. 
Amen. You're back in the yoke of bondage. You're back in the yoke of bondage. You're back in the yoke of... They're legalists. They have no joy. Have you ever noticed? You'll never find a legalist with joy. Because there's there's still a... There's Paul under the law. When I first got saved, holiness meant how you wear your hair. It meant whether or not you wear lipstick. I didn't have a problem with that. Can you say amen? But I did meet people with a problem with that. When we got on Channel 13 to have our church service because they allowed a church a month to get on there, we got in line, got on Channel 13. Man, you talk about some hairdos. That's back when, when you wore your hair up here like this, the big hair. You should see my wife with big hair. In fact, you should see Dale with big hair. Oh, we, we were big-haired. We were, we were we, I, man, I got my suit out. Man, I put some hairspray on. I don't care how hard the fan might blow. It ain't going to bother my hair. <laughs> Amen. I even put on expensive cologne. I'm going to be on TV. They're going to be, <laughs> they going to smell me. But anyway, our pianist at the time was a young man in his 20s, late 20s. Color TV had just come on the market. So I got out of the car down at WTBT station, and I saw him coming down the sidewalk. And I knew something was odd as he got closer. He had on cherry red, candy apple red, bright red lipstick. And I'm standing there with my mouth open thinking, why is our pianist where he's a guy? He's wearing lipstick. I went, only time I've been fishing in about 40 years, they finally, guy has a pontoon boat. And we went out in his pontoon boat the other day. He's got a little bitty boat. Soon as he gets a big pontoon boat, I'm going with him so alligators can't eat us. (laughs) I can swim, but alligators don't care about that. They love white meat. I've heard that. I don't know what that's all about, but anyway. See my old white legs, he's like, come and get me. <laughs> but we were out, and he brought his son with him. He's a preacher. He brought his son with him. And his son, we, got, we saw 30 alligators at Medard Park. 30. We counted 30. No exaggeration. That's the ones we saw. And some of them were big ones. And, the, and it must have been mating season or something because they're all out going crazy. And, 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 and his son could grunt like an alligator. And I can't do it, but he was he's making that grunting sound like an alligator. And I, I was looking. Listening. Now, I didn't see what I said I saw. So I just wanted to, you know, cheer, cheer things up a little bit. We had caught nothing. So you know, you know how that is when you're out there. And you, he, don't, oh, he said, I don't know how that is. I'm such a good. They jump in the boat. Said they see me coming, they just jump in the boat and say, We might as well just go and jump in the boat, he's gonna catch us anyway. <laughs> he don't know about the one that got away. None of them got away. But he was grunting like an alligator. Grunt, 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 grunt. Making that alligator said, Here's the alligator's grunting. He's grunting. And so I I looked at him and I was dead serious. I said, there's a big mama gator headed our way. I don't know what it's all about, but it's a big mama gator headed our way. And she's wearing lipstick. I said, maybe you better quit. Maybe, maybe that's a mating call. Maybe you better hush. He had on lipstick. 
And so when I regathered my shock, I said to this young man, I said, why are you wearing lipstick? He said, because it's, we're going to be on color TV. And if you don't enhance your features for the TV, the bright lights are going to just wash it out and look like you don't have any lips. He pulled out his lipstick and said, would you like some? <laughs> and I said, no. <laughs> I'll be fine. I want them to hear what I have to say. I don't care if they can see my lips saying it. Said all that to say this. It's not about this outside thing alone. There is an outside thing. But it begins on the inside. And that's why I said work out your own. Don't do it meritorially, but let what's in you, what has happened in you, begin to come out into your life in a personal and practical way. That's personal, practical righteousness. For the grace of God that has appeared to all men is teaching us to deny ungodliness and worldly, and worldly lust. lust and pursue righteousness and godliness. Grace doesn't teach you to sin. It teaches you, amen, that because you have this life, this, this new standing with God, He can grant unto you grace and power and strength that you could never have or achieve in yourself. And you can overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil. And I, I got into this hospital room. And I was so full of faith. And I knew this man had come to Christ. And for several years, he'd been living for Jesus. I mean, he married a Christian woman that walked the chalk and helped him to walk the chalk. But when I got in this room to pray with him, he said... And I started giving him scripture on what Jesus did to heal him and how much God loved him and, 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 and how if you just be, let's believe God for your healing right here and right now. You know what he told me? He said, it's hard for me to believe that God would heal me because I have committed so many sins in my past. You see, the devil... And the conscience which God put in to lead us to do right. He's manipulating. And that's why the book of Hebrews said having your conscience sprinkled from evil. It means don't let your mind go back there. Because it's not supposed to be back there. Because your sin that you committed back then has been removed from you. Remitted. Remitted. Remission of sins doesn't mean just forgiveness and leaving the stain. It means it has been removed from you. And that forensic term, justification, it means you have been acquitted. And if you're acquitted in our courts, that particular thing that you were prosecuted for, you can never be prosecuted again. I don't know, amen, if... if uh, O.J. did it or not. I don't. You can have your own opinion about that. But I know one thing. Amen. He's been acquitted. And he can never be tried for it in the court of law. But if he did it, there's another court in heaven. And there's another court within 
your heart called the conscience. Can you say man? And when you get your sins under the blood of Jesus, if it wasn't for the conscience being cleansed, the devil would use that and he would condemn us and we would be tormented in our mind. Can you say man? And the pain would never end of that barbed wheel that is spinning. But when sins are repented of and they are confessed, he cast our sins away from us as far as the east is from the west. And he said, their sins will I remember no more. I will never associate this man with his sins of the past. Or any sin that he's truly repented of. And any sin that has been brought under the blood of Jesus. I will remember it no more. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I love that about God. Such were some of you. But you are washed. You are sanctified, cleansed, and set apart for a holy purpose. And you are justified. That was then. This is now. Everybody say, this is now. Hallelujah. Glory to God. This is now. If that man, who so many good-meaning preachers and Christians... If they could have got it across to him, you see, it had been stamped on him that you have got to merit this and, it, and you can't because of your past sins. Six weeks later, he died of his disease. Now, I'm not saying there's not people that die of their disease that don't have that issue, but this was a sin issue unresolved. Listen to how God wants to do it. James 5.14 is not about just about anointing oil and believing God and praying in faith. It's about forgiveness of sin. So that the person being prayed for can receive what the prayer of faith is reaching out to get for them. James 5.14 If there be any sick among you, let them call the elders of the church. Let them anoint them with oil in the name of Jesus Christ. The prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise them up. He's not done the scripture is still speaking it has not stopped there where we stop we're we're so oh friend oh friend and if if they have committed any sin then and there that's the time to deal with it because the enemy is going to bring it up The enemy wants to disqualify you from an answered prayer or help from above. Can you say, man, if you've committed sin, that's the time. Don't just pray for healing. Pray for sin to be cleansed. To open the door for God to move and open the door of the heart to receive it. If there's no condemnation, I can receive it. If your heart condemns you, God's greater than your heart and knoweth all things. But if your heart condemns you not, what happens? Woo! What happens? We have confidence toward God. Confidence toward God. Let us come boldly before the throne of grace that we might obtain grace and mercy 
mercy and grace to help in the time of any need. Can, can you say me? Boldly means to come confidently. And this is the confidence we have in Him. If we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. And if we know He hears us, we know we have the petition. If you doubt that He's listening because your conscience is condemning you and Satan is putting his finger in your face, He is the accuser of the brethren and He's cast down. That did what? Accuse them before God day and night. Revelation 12 and verse 10. And they overcame Him by becoming sinlessly perfect. They overcame came in by living such a pristine life that nothing could ever rise up against them in attitude or action or omission or commission. No, they overcame him by a single element initially, by the blood of the Lamb. You are washed. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I said, have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? If we were going to cast out devils today, if people wanted to come here for deliverance, you know what I would do? I would begin to sing songs about an element. Oh, I wouldn't sing, you know... Songs about <laughs> shut the door, keep out the devil. We wouldn't talk about the devil. We'd talk about one thing. We'd talk about the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. There's power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. Can you say, man? It washes whiter than snow. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Come and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins were as scarlet, red like crimson, they shall be white as snow. Can you say, man, what can wash away my sin? Woo! Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, that this precious child of God had overcome the accuser. So he could receive healing from God. Help from God. And as much as I despise and God despises legalism, I despise liberalism just as much. Because liberalism says I'm washed in the blood, I can do anything I want. No, you can't. God didn't clean you up for you to go back to the pig pen. He cleans you up. To help you to live for Him and serve Him. And you ought to want to. When you've been washed and sanctified and justified by the precious blood of Jesus. And in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. God is so good today. Hallelujah. When you're sanctified, it means you're cleansed. That's the washing. You are sanctified, which means cleansed and set apart unto God for a holy... You know how sanctified is used in practical application? Let me hurry. A pen is sanctified. Sanctification means when a designer has designed something to do something and it does it. So a pen is sanctified when you write with it. That's what sanctified means. It's doing what the designer designed it to do. So a pen is sanctified. Literally, this is true. This is not bad grammar. This can be proven. This is what it really comes down to. This handkerchief was designed to blow my nose and wipe my mouth. Amen. That's why it's not silk. The silk one goes here. 
That's why I asked Brother Couch one Sunday when he had a nice silk handkerchief. I said, is that for showing or blowing? <laughs> Amen. Because you don't take an expensive silk handkerchief and go blowing your nose in it. But this one here is for blowing. And when I wipe my mouth with it, this is sanctified in the practical sense of sanctification. When, the, when, when I, when this does what it was designed to do, it's sanctified. And when a Christian does what we're designed to do, we are sanctified as well. Cleansed and set apart for a holy purpose. And when we begin to fulfill that purpose, we are justified. Hallelujah. And whatever sins is in my past, if they line up someday and come in here and say, let me tell you something about your preacher you probably don't know. Amen. I said, go ahead and tell them. Go ahead, tell them everything you know on this preacher. I'll tell you right now, I was a sinner before I got saved. Amen. I didn't grow up in church. I didn't live a monk's life on some mountain. Amen. I served the devil well. How well? None of your beeswax. And my conscience is clean. And my conscience is clear. For my sins have been washed by the blood of Jesus. How many got something out of this message today? You want to walk in victory. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And amen. Will you stand to your feet today? Let's get ready to praise Him and go home. Took a little longer, but this was something that takes a little while sometimes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I expect fully to walk on golden streets. I expect fully, amen, to go to heaven and to live with God forever. I expect to see my daughter, Brother, Brother Hobbs. I expect to see your wife. Hallelujah. Amen. And I expect to see the rest of you guys. You know why? How many are Christian in this room? You're washed. You are sanctified. And you are justified in the name of Jesus Christ because of His shed blood. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many are going to come boldly now before the throne of grace? How many are going to come, not, not with your tail tucked between your legs? How many are going to, not, not pridefully, but boldly. How many are going to quit and letting the devil tell you you're no good, you're not worth it, you've messed up too many times, God doesn't love you, God is not going to help you? How many are going to tell the devil where to go? Amen. Go back into the pit from whence you came. Go back into the darkness that spawned you. Amen. I'm walking in the light. And if I walk in the light, as he is in the light, the blood of Jesus has a continual effect and cleanses me from unrighteousness. Therefore, I'm going to rejoice. And you know what? We're going to walk on streets that are golden, Brother Taylor. Amen. And we're going to be worthy to walk on those streets because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's give him praise in this song today before we go home. Hallelujah.